guess we should just get into it. Get into it? What's there to talk about? We stink. <laughs> that is one way to look at it. <clears throat> but do we stink? Uh, I mean, we played two games. We were underdogs in both games. We have injuries, people coming in and out of the lineup. And... Um, What's your take? We were competitive in both games, at least for a while before we got overtaken. Um, my take? My take is that it's fine. These are useful losses. These are good losses. Games we would have a hard time winning, even at our best. But, you know, I think we could have won one or both of the games this week if we were playing at our best. In two months from now, I hope we're, we, we would have gone back and won these games if we could replay them. When, right? you, when you watch the games... Yeah. Did you feel like, hey, we're playing great? <clears throat> First half of Florida State, I thought we were playing pretty well. A little uh, frenetic, yeah. not not totally under control. How about you? Yeah, the game was tied through maybe 10 minutes left in the mm-hmm. second half. Till there was a bunch of possessions in the Louisville game and stretches where I thought, playing pretty uh-huh. well, like pretty good team concept, better team concept than Louisville and Florida State, where I thought everybody was trying to play hero ball a little. Um, but overall, like there are two road losses against very good teams. We've played three true road games, lost all, and we've lost them all. Yeah, Virginia Tech is not as strong a team as the other two. Um, that felt like a worse loss to me, especially how we lost. You know, the defensive effort. <clears throat> um, but it's a tough year in the ACC. We're going to lose more road games, most likely. Yeah. So what? We The ultimate goal is to build the team, grow, learn, and we're going to be able to learn from both of these losses like the other one. There's a lot to work on, and we have guys capable of improvement because look how highly touted they are. Um, not just improving based on what they've done wrong in the games, but conditioning and getting their legs back and getting – used to playing basketball again and then the team getting used to playing together and learning how to play better defense together what's your take frustrated yeah i see frustration on the twitter on the duke twitter generally and um what do you mean duke twitter and my friends as well just people like there was a little bit of whining and bitching about like referees in both games which is BS. The rest were fine. A couple, a little, they're a little quick to call travels, but we didn't, lo- we didn't lose these games because of the refs. Was there Twitter? Was there Twitter commentary about Grayson's face planting on the ground, his head bouncing back up, and then him getting, getting slapped. Bitch, bitch slapped a little bit by the Louisville guy, and then everyone tweeting, "Hey, he's getting what he deserved. He deserves that. Somebody should stomp on him." From Duke Twitter, it was mostly, oh, where, where's everyone talking about this, you know? <laughs> like, where's the balance, you know? It feels a little like like Republicans, Democrats, like... It's like, unbelievable. He's public enemy number one. There are people calling for his head, saying he should be suspended the rest of the season. I saw somebody say the that, shove that, like, against he the deserved Florida it because he, he flopped on the play of the shove. <clears throat> well, yeah, Billis was saying because he sells so many calls with his flailing arms and legs right. and falling down... A lot of times the refs aren't going to be looking to give it to him. Sort of like Anderson Berger, like he flops so much, or he. I completely you know, agree, like and I hate the, flopping. And yeah. I don't. I think Grayson shouldn't get calls when he's like being overly demonstrative. But I think that's true about everybody. I wish flopping was a technical foul. I wish he flopped twice in a game. You thrown out. I don't get it. To me, it's bad for sport, bad for competitiveness. But I see guys do it all the time on every level. So. You know, it's not something they're really addressing. They're supposed to not be calling those things. Like, guys don't fall over taking a charge as naturally as they appear to. And, like, Shane Battier used to take charges. I mean, he's a strong guy. He's like, you know, you, you blow on him and he's going to get knocked straight back on, you know. <clears throat> but, but yeah. Sort of became a thing, a Duke thing. More reason for people to hate us. I don't think it's a Duke thing. I think, I think that's how people... People guide the refs into making uh, offensive charge calls, and it's been that way for 20 years now. It's not a Duke thing. Maybe Batio is really good at it. Uh, I'm a Sixers fan. I watch Ersan Ilyasova <coughs> flop all over the gym, all over the court every game. Like where he's trying to draw a charge. 
Joel Embiid flops like crazy. Just like flailing his arms, exaggerating things to get the call. He like falls on the ground two, three times a game, a lot of times trying to get a call. Just it's part of basketball. Yeah. I don't I don't love it. But yeah, I mean, I don't think we need to I don't think there was anything notable enough to really get into Grayson again this week. I thought Grayson played well. I thought he, he came in with a pretty good mindset, passing the ball, setting up his teammates. I didn't have a problem with his defensive effort. Really? I mean, I, I watched a lot of the play. A lot of the plays where we were giving up easy baskets. I feel like a lot of times it's his guy who scores. Both, both he like his guy and Luke's guy. They either just well, don't stay in front of their guys, or they lose him because because they're help they're helping they're helping off their man a bit too much, and then they get burned. Yeah, I mean they're out there for forty minutes a game almost. So and they're they're guarding good offensive players. Their guys are going to score. There's no such thing as just completely shutting down the other team. Matt Jones as well. Like Matt Jones gets put on the best guy on the other team, so his guy scores a decent amount. I think Matt Jones has been playing great lately. His defense has been great. I think he's been real, pretty solid. The, the big thing isn't, to me, individual effort necessarily. It's more of what's the team strategy utilizing the guys to guard the pick and roll. We're getting just completely broken down Giles on, on is pick and roll. Well, it's not just Giles, but all right. So Giles plus any go. other stiff big man we have not named Emil Jefferson. Well, you're talking about Jeter and Giles essentially, uh, and a little bit of Bold. Bold hasn't played enough to really judge. He's probably been a little more effective defensively than those other guys. Jeter's a little more effectively just on the ball, a little more effective on the ball. I don't think Bold has shots. been effective in any aspect of basketball <laughs> so far this year. But uh, let, let's get into the two games. Let's talk about the defense first. Sure. Florida State, what did you see? It's a distant memory, Mike. Seven foot two <laughs> uh, African guy. What was oh, his yeah. name? Oja? That jogs your memory. That guy was large and in charge. He doesn't usually start. You know, he only averaged 13 or 14 minutes a game. I think he's made he started looks in a handful of games. Humongous. Yeah, he was moving Harry Giles without a problem. Giles mm. looked like a, like a 14 year old. Yeah. <laughs> And what a great move to prominently feature him by uh, Leonard Leonard Hamilton. Uh, It's Leonard Hamilton, right? Yeah. Uh, So that guy, Ojo, doesn't typically start? He doesn't typically play that big a role in the offense. He only Uh, averages like less than five points a game before the Duke game. Uh, I, I didn't think his points came off of design plays or anything. They were pick and rolls. Okay. They were high high ball screens outside. He and. What Duke, what Leonard Hamilton noticed, and what I've noticed this week watching Florida State exploit us and watching Louisville exploit us over and over again, is they would have a big man who could move, set a set a ball screen, sort of from 15 to 22 feet away from the basket. They would isolate that side for them, so the rest of the team would go over to the other side, and they'd play a two-man game, just a basic pick and roll, and the the. You know, whether it was Oja or the guy in Louisville, what was the guy who crushed us? Uh, I should know, right? Anas Mahmoud. Yeah, Mahmoud. The big Egypt. He looked great. He looked great. We make everyone look great. Well, both of those guys were doing very specific things, and they both outperformed their season averages by far because they would run these, these, these plays with a really like talented decision maker at the guard spot. You know, and they did it with a couple different guys on each team, so they both have depth there. Uh, Duke would generally, the big guy, whether it was Giles or Jeter, they would generally hedge out to the ball handler, and there'd be two guys momentarily on the ball handler. Yeah. And the big guy would sprint to the basket and be wide open every time. Now, there's a third Duke defender who's supposed to roll over and cover that guy. But in the case of both of those big guys, once they got ahead of steam, they were they were hard to stop. Right. And that third guy was late, but also it, it called into question for me the wisdom of having Chase Jeter, having Giles flash out to that ball handler and defend somebody 20 feet away from the basket and leave a seven-foot guy screeching wide open, uncovered, to, to the rim, you know, to receive that pass. Do you think Jeter... I think Jeter is certainly athletic enough. I don't think Giles is, is physically there to do it. 
Jeter had a bigger problem, I thought, uh, especially especially against the Giles had a bigger problem against Florida State because he just couldn't body up that that big guy as much. He doesn't seem to have the core strength yet, at least now, and and the speed to kind of make up for it quite yet. Although he did come from behind and make make some some good blocks against uh, Louisville. He looked better. He started the game off with a he few had, very good blocks. Yeah, he had more spring in his step, generally. Yeah. And that was great to see, and I, th- I hope that's a sign of things to come. But Jeter was the one that really, really struggled against Louisville. Uh, he just... His, his, his hedge out didn't seem to cause Louisville any problems, and it was like basically like a half measure. He would like half-heartedly go out there, but be out there a beat long enough to leave the guy wide open, and I don't know if that's his fault. I don't want to blame him for it. It yeah, just I mean, seems like a defensive strategy. That it's a Coach K strategy. That's a Jeff Capel has to take responsibility for the strategy. They're going to watch the tape this week, and they're going to come up with a different plan. I think, you know, going forward. You're giving your coaching staff that that much credit. I mean, it's obvious. Jay Bills was calling it out. I knew in my living room, and I'm not the biggest expert in the world. I saw people talking about it on Twitter. Everybody could see it. It was clear that Patino game planned for that. I mean, Leonard Hamilton saw some of what you know Virginia Tech did, but this was like a special thing. And now every opponent that has a mobile big guy is going to be they're going to be playing the same game at us, and we're going to have to stop it. And like that's that's number one. We need to be able to stop that play, or at least slow it down. Um, <coughs> And you saw Capel switching to zone. Yeah, that didn't work either. Briefly. Our zone, our zone was real weak. Um, there was an issue with assigning kind of like responsibility. They have two issues. One is guarding that ball screen, and the other issue, which you mentioned earlier, I think, is overcommitting, doubling away from shooters, doubling away from primary cutters to guys who aren't going to effectively score. Um, this is just the minutia of like game planning and um, you know defensive strategic coaching uh, so I don't know I don't know who can be blamed but now that we know about it what I'm looking forward to is them correcting it um, are you hopeful I mean it's a hundred percent achievable we have the athletes I mean that tact wasn't working Attack just wasn't working. You don't think? Uh, are you concerned with like our guys being pretty boys and not having the grit to do it? Is that what you're saying? Well, I just don't think Harry is athletic enough right now, and I feel like you know with Jeter and some of the other bigs, athletic <laughs> enough to do what? Uh, to defend quickly laterally, like they have to move their feet. Harry just seems slow, like. He just seems like a half step, like at least a half step slow. To just just move, period. Defend ball screens, get back to his man. I mean, even just running up and down the court. I think I think you're gonna see him his speed increase. I think we're already seeing it a little. Like I said, he had more spring in his step. Maybe he, a little bit, but then you couldn't really. He had like almost zero imprint on the game. You know, he scored six points, five six rebounds. And besides those two or three blocks, his post game hasn't been real effective. He's yeah. settling. Uh, as a guy to throw the ball to and and finish, he's he's pretty effective when when Grayson or Luke draws the the double team. Uh, he catches well. He's good hands. Yeah, you're talking about the and he uh, finishes quickly, finishing with a dunk. Yeah, like when yeah. he gets a bounce pass. Yeah, but that's the basic. But that's like a basic part of his game. I think we're going to start to see more and more come out. And look, you know, he's been injured. He's He looks way better than he did the first time he stepped on the court already. I can see that he that he has that that thing. It's just... The thing? What's the thing? The, the X factor, man. The, you still think he's going to be Chris Webber? He doesn't look like it. I understand that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, He doesn't look like any of these guys that, that he's been compared to. Yeah. But I have to trust when I hear the accolades and, you know, it could be he's just not going to be the same physical player and he's not getting it back. But you got to remember, he's fresh off of not playing, like the better part of two years. Right. 
So, you know, the only question is, can he, if regard to Giles, can he get it back quick enough to make, you know, to, to really step up and be a great college basketball player by the end of the season? And that's all we need. Like, we're going to make the tournament. I'm not worried about that. Um, yeah, we're 2-3 and three in the ACC. We lost three tough road games. You know, I, I have no doubt we're going to go 500 or better in the conference. It's not impossible that we won't, but we're just too loaded. And I just, you know, what do you think? I, how, do, I, how do you think I, we're going to do? Like I, you said, you're, I agree you stink. With, what, what do you think that... No, I mean, obviously I'm just being overly critical. Yeah. But, you know, I no one's going to doubt that we're loaded. It just seems at this point... Uh, like the pieces aren't quite fitting, and um, the 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 all these guys are so talented, but there's so much talent on the floor. Like, I think they they might still be sort of feeling each other out in terms of like what they should be doing. You know, like, that's okay. Yeah, I mean, we're early in the ACC season. We have to figure it out soon, though, right? Yeah, I mean. The season's not infinitely long. There's only, there's only like a what six more weeks, six seven more weeks. Yeah, but it, it is an intense six or seven weeks, and losing these games gives them something to build on. It gives them something to learn from, not build on, learn from. Yeah. Um, and we've played enough good basketball this year, and my guess is Emil Jefferson will come back at some point. That'll help. Um, but even without him, I like that some of these guys are getting the minutes and getting to learn. Um, like to me, it's not all negative. Yeah, we lost two games this week, but to two top teams on the road. Yeah, we're competitive. And let's talk about Florida State for a second. They were terrific. They played incredibly well. They're deep. They're athletic. They have NBA guys on their team. Yeah, they've got like a t- like the lottery pick. They've got like a top ten guy. Yeah, Isaac, but they also have big guards with length and athleticism. They have enough experience that there's good decision makers like handling the ball. And I think they play twelve deep, ten or twelve deep. Yeah, they, and that seven foot deep. that seven foot two giant, uh, that guy's twenty four years old. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that he makes was, a difference. I mean Emil is almost twenty four years old, right? He's twenty three. Uh, it helps to be twenty four playing against a guy who's eighteen. Yes. Uh, and f- by the end of freshman years, freshmen aren't freshmen anymore. Sometimes, and we saw we've seen that. You know, for guys that actually play a lot, uh, and Harry Giles and and Tatum are still kind of not. Tatum's obviously like more advanced in his return, but physically, we're we're still <clears throat> seeing you know that he's getting used to the game. He didn't. These guys don't know what to expect. I thought what was interesting against Florida State is down the stretch, like we were, you know, when Tatum got called for that travel at half court, um, we were we were up two mm-hmm. and about to go up four. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, then with the other team went on a run. Uh, I'm not blaming that call or anything, but from that point forward, like Tatum felt to me like he tried to put the team on his back a little. He tried to take over the leadership because. That's what he's used to doing as a basketball player. Yeah, uh, he tried to look for Giles two or three times and forced and the pass. Forced a couple of passes, turned it over, maybe two possessions in a row. Yeah, and the other team came back and got an easy basket on both, and that was part of the run that put them up six or eight points. Are you talking about the Louisville game or the Florida State game? I think I'm talking about the Florida State game. Okay, the games may be running together a little in my mind, but that was the close. That game we were, you know, we were neck and neck with Florida State, like. We took their best shot, and then it looked like we might really get there early in the second half. And, like, maybe with 12 to 14 minutes left, 10 10 to 14 minutes left, Tatum gets called for that travel and then turns it over a couple times, you know, within the next five or ten possessions, which led to uh, Florida State runouts. It was interesting to me in that I'm seeing Tatum looking out for his buddy, as like a as he maybe should be, yeah. I mean, but we, sh- we should be getting Giles involved to the yeah. extent we can because he's we do want him to get looks and get reps and improve. But you know, 
Luke Kennard's not throwing it into the post to Giles. Luke Kennard's looking for a shot, or he's looking to rotate the ball around the perimeter. To whoever's open. Sure. Uh, Tatum's looking out for his buddy. He thinks of Giles a certain way in his head, and they have this dynamic between them. They got re- they came as a like a package. Yeah. And uh, as they improve, I wonder if that's going to be that's going to be a great tendency. And right now, it's a harmful tendency. Um, I thought it was an interesting wrinkle uh, within the team dynamic that they have their own thing going on. It reminds me a little bit of '99 when supposedly one of the things that messed with team chemistry was maybe Will Avery and Corey Maggette having their own thing going on, and you know, versus you know the guys that were more upperclassmen, uh, right? Like like Avery tried to feed Maggette the ball. Uh, just that. The young guys felt like they were the dominant force and not Trajan Langdon. Chris you know, Carwell. Yeah, Nate James. There's like some older guys and some younger guys. Uh, here we have like three possible ball dominant guys, or really four if you think of Frank John, Frank Jackson. Although, remember that guy? Remember, remember when He's, you were all hyped on him? He started the game great. Knocked down a three. He's only great as a as an off-the-ball No, no, he's on shooter. the ball. He's on the ball. Hmm? No, no. Uh, You're saying he's great when he catches and Catches and shoots. He's a great catch-and-shooter. No, that's that's a, he's and a, that's he's a not, good catch-and-shooter, but I think yeah. there's so so much more to his game that's being not untapped. Nothing else looks good right now. And, uh, you know, there's a guy we thought had a great start to the year and thought would be playing better by this point. And being a real force for setting up his teammates and creating, and he's not—he's not doing it that much. He's not doing it as much as we expected. I think he'll be great. Don't don't get all upset <laughs> on me. I uh, think he'll be fantastic. And it's looking like he might—you know—I mean, I—I I wonder if he's going to be back next year. And we were thinking maybe he was one and done. No, he's definitely coming back. Yeah, I think I think he's going to have to. I think Bolden's going to have to as well. Bolden um, might never make the NBA. <laughs> I hope Bolden can make the Duke squad next year. It's, 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 uh, so, I mean, people saying Delorier, is Delorier better than than Bolden right now, or was it just that game? I think Jay Billis was saying that this this the texture of the game wasn't good for Bolden because the Louisville press, the up-and-down nature of the game, would be good for Bolden, who might still be trying to catch his wind. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean... We don't really know. I mean, what's De- going on Delore, the one time he gets the ball, he travels. It's just something about young bigs and traveling. Yeah, he's he's not. He doesn't have. He doesn't appear to have simple basketball fundamentals. Which guy, Delore? I mean, he's obviously a freak athlete. He just seems that way. But he, Javin Delore, you're saying? Yeah. I don't yeah, know I why mean, he's, he's not. A, he's not a skilled big guy, but you know. Yeah. Maybe he's a better defender. I just don't know. I don't know what's going on in practice with his development, what's going on with Bolden and what they're thinking for his development, but they're both they're both behind and they're not they're not really helping that much. But I was glad to see Deloria get in there and I'd I'd like to I'd like to see a longer look at him over the <clears> next <throat> couple of games. Like the the schedule was about to get a lot more forgiving. Uh, yeah, we have a pretty uh a soft three, what three, three game stretch, four game stretch. I looked. Three game. I looked at the schedule. Two games at home. Towards the end of the last game, and I thought, oh, well, you know what? We're gonna lose these two. We got but Miami at home. We're gonna win five of the next six. I don't know about that. I'm oh, sorry. The next five games NC were home State. against Miami, NC State, State, and Pitt. Right. Three games will be significantly Pitt's favored. At home. Pitt's at home. That that's the fifth game. That's one, two, and five. Okay. In between is a road game at Wake Forest and a road game at Notre Dame. The Notre Dame game's a tough, tough game. The other four will be significant favorites. I smell two losses. I'll tell you what: <laughs> if we lose three games or more, I, I smell two. You can you can officially panic. <laughs> I right? smell two 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 losses out of those five. I think we could win all five. And if we win all five, no one will care about these two losses. We'll look at it as a turning point. I'll be happy with four out of five. If we five. win, 
Okay. If we win four out of five, it's still going. We're going to be fine. You know, Mike. If Bray, we only win two or three, Mike Bray has made better. Coach K his little bitch. <laughs> Notre Dame has been tough for us, and the they're they're playing years. great this year. The year we won the national championship, we lost two out of three to Notre Dame, right? Lost uh, in the ACC yes. tournament. Yes. I, I want to say in the ACC tournament, they they beat us by like thirty. I mean, they killed us. Uh, that can't be correct. Maybe it was. Maybe I flipped it. We beat them by like thirty or forty at home, but they beat us at Notre Dame. Then Rashid got kicked out, and then in the ACC tournament, I feel like they killed us. Maybe it was just a 10, 15 point game. But anyway, Mike Bray has is like the only Coach K assistant who has a winning record against him, and I feel like it's a pretty strong record. They play really efficient offense. Great offense. And yeah, uh, certain certain tendencies like that's the next big test in terms of playing a team with depth and offensive skill that it's going to be able to really exploit uh, exploit us and I'm sure Miami and NC State are going to come in and try to do some of the same things Florida State and Virginia Tech and uh, Louisville did but we're going to be at home they're not as deep they're, they don't have those kinds of big men uh, so I think I think we'll be able to adjust and look we have a whole week of practice no, no other games till Saturday. We play Miami, and you know, I bet, <laughs> I bet you, I bet you they're running pretty hard in practice. I bet you they're 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 really working hard this week. And um, you lose two games, you run a bunch of sprints. Is yeah, that how it works? Maybe Giles can't can't really be punished <laughs> that way. But I think they're at least gonna get coached up, and they know that this week is like the time to get it together. It's gut check time. See, I'm not as optimistic as you. Like, you're, you're saying because of these two losses and because they got exposed a couple of times, they are now going to get coached up. Well, they're like, now on notice. Like, I mean... Right? It's gut check time. Like, why weren't they being coached up up until now? I don't, I don't quite get it. Well, they were, but, you know, you coach your team, you think they're going to perform a certain way, and it turns out they weren't as prepared as you thought. They... They weren't as prepared. I mean, they knew Emil was out. They knew they're putting inexperienced front court players in who don't have a lot of experience guarding pick and roll situations, and these guys just picked them apart. Yeah. Right. And you know who's getting coached up? <laughs> yeah. Louisville. Man, I'll tell you, I'll tell you about it. Um, it's amazing what that guy does. It it doesn't seem like he gets that many. You know, it seems like almost all our guys are McDonald's All Americans. He just gets these Juco transfers. They're good athletes. They're good athletes. They are they are rated players. But they may not be lottery picks. For me, for me, what was most impressive about Patino is not his 2013 uh, national championship team. It was like a team maybe like one one year later or two years later, they made the Elite Eight and they didn't have a single guy on that team that could make a jump shot and a wide open jump shot. He basically had. Well, that's impressive about this team too. They're not shooters. And I thought, oh, well, they can't really shoot, so we should probably find a way to win this game. Like, yeah. we hit a few threes, but... And, yeah. Like, they're just they're not going to shoot you out of the building. Yeah, and if, they, if make... they don't have good shooters, then shouldn't Jeter and Giles have been coached before the game? You don't have to extend that far out because they're not good shooters. You know, like... Although, down the, down the at the end of the game, they put us away with three-point shooting. Yeah. They, so, they started off cold outside, yeah. and then they, they see... It seems like other teams get pretty hot with their threes in the final 10 minutes of games to close us out. Sure. I felt like Florida State was the same way. I think that's fair. I think I think we have run a little bad towards the end of games with, uh, with you know, three-point shooting against us, and that's that's got to be a little bit random. Um, <clears throat> is, it, is it random that... <clears throat> These teams are playing extra hard against Grayson Allen since they're tripping victims. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a revenge factor, right? But <clears throat> I mean, his list of victims getting longer and longer. And and the Florida State kid definitely afterwards said, "Oh yeah, I've been I've circled this date for a year. I couldn't wait to get get at him. It was this victory is extra sweet." Yeah, I, I guess so. I mean, there everybody gets up to play us. All the time anyways, especially yes. at home. It's the biggest game on the schedule. We've been facing this for a long time. And it's not it's not that far out of the norm that they're a little extra pumped up to make fun of Grayson and chant stuff at him. You know. Really mean things. 
Yeah. <laughs> some, mean, some mean stuff. Uh, what do you think... Uh, I meant to ask you about his point guard uh, development. Yeah, what, what, do you, what do you think of uh, his changed role? I mean, do you think he's been asked to do this? Do you think he's doing it on his own? Well, I think both? he was definitely asked to do it. Yeah. Um, I mean, even for somebody who's a junior who's been, you know, with the program for three years and who's an All-American and who's a potential player of the year, I mean, he probably just takes orders from Coach K, Coach Capel, Coach James. Like, they tell him to do something, he's going to do it. Um, so, I mean, he probably was instructed, hey, sacrifice a little bit of your offensive game and look to, facil- look to facilitate more, primarily because we don't have a guy like that in our starting lineup. I mean, maybe it, w- when Frank Jackson subs in, then you can play off the ball and sort of go back to being how you played last year. Um, he's done a pretty good job. Like, I, I was actually, I was surprised that, you know, he had, I feel like he had six turnovers last game, but it, it didn't really feel like it was because of the Louisville full court press, and I was I was actually looking forward to see how he would handle the Louisville press. And they only turned us over one time that led to a real easy layup, and as a, as a result of the full court press, maybe twice. Yeah. Um, the pressure from Louisville and the pressure from Florida State, even in just the half court at home, yeah, is tremendous. And I felt I felt that pressure just watching the game, like. Every pass contested for the most part. It, it was it was way more difficult than the average game. Right. And Grayson did a pretty decent job overall. I, I, I enjoy Grayson looking to score. I mean, he's a very good passer, and because he's such a good scorer, passing opportunities sort of come naturally for him. But I, I felt like in the last uh, three weeks or so, he's maybe – Force that pass when he should be looking to score. And did you to, notice to in the second half against Louisville, he had a spurt where he was just looking to score? Yeah, he like he came yeah, out with he, a slightly different mindset at one I mean, point. He can, depending on the situation, he can just take it to the rim for a, for a you know relatively sort of like a layup. Yeah, not all the time, but he should be looking for that all the time. Um, yeah, I mean, in terms of his handles, I thought it was it was fine. You know, he's not a, he's, he's not the best ball handler. He's he has to turn his back yeah. a lot of times to protect the ball, and it does slow down the offense. And and they're all good in terms of the full court. Like if they're getting pressure, then he just gives it up to Tatum or Kennard or Jones, and they just take turns bringing it up. Uh, Tatum's looked pretty confident, and his ball handling I think has improved since he first started playing. Yeah, um, I, I feel like his shot selection—he still took that. He, he took that like off. step back, where his left foot was <laughs> behind the three-point line and his right foot was in front of it, and he made it. But it's still a two-point shot. And See him shake his head still, about it. Still he sort was, of a bad he, shot. He knew it. He like was shaking his head like, "Darn, you know that should have been a three. Like he meant it to be a three. Yeah. Um, I, I feel yeah, like I there, there's just so many of these guys, like him, Giles, Jackson, obviously Bolden, they must be frustrated because they feel like they can contribute so much more to the team and to the bottom line, and they're just not quite doing it. Yeah, they must be very frustrated, <clears throat> and they're going to have to pass the ball better, play better team offense, play better team defense. Uh, we didn't really generate a lot of easy baskets off turnovers off either Florida State or Louisville. And so like that yeah. That releases some of that that tension and our half court offense, which was super efficient, became less so. Um because it of the was, pressure. It was super efficient against like Georgia Tech. Yeah. 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 Well yep. Right. And, and only had three only had eight, eight assists against Louisville. Yeah. Uh you know, it's obviously because of the other team. <laughs> yeah. Right? But it's also that we don't have this point guard. We're not we're not breaking the half court pressure as well as we should be. Um, we don't really have a reliable, like high post kind of a player. As it stands right now, I wonder if Harry Giles would be more effective in the high post. To facilitate ball movement. Uh-huh. Or yeah, even high post like, it seems, Tatum. It seems like Tatum Tatum that's Tatum's role. But he's not. They're he's not, not. Yeah, he's not a great facilitator. 
Generally, the high post is something you employ against a zone defense, and we've been playing teams that have been playing man-to-man. Yeah. Uh, Louisville plays some zone, right? Uh, Did they? Can't remember. Oh, yeah. Mostly. I'm leaning no. Mostly man-to-man, but uh, there's definitely some different things we can be doing, and we have all this talent. It, there is some impetus for the coaching staff to to come up with things against the tougher defenses that will make things a little easier and just relying on Grayson or Luke to create one on one, you know, we need more we need more screening, we need more off the ball movement. Some type of motion offense. Yeah, a little more. We need to get into it more. Because I felt like Luke Kennard got lost a little bit in the second half of Louisville and Luke, Tatum and Grayson, they all sort of they're they're very ball centric doing one-on-one type of things. Yeah, it was interesting because Luke, when he did shoot, was still, like, shot a decent percentage. He shot great. Yeah, but he he wasn't able to receive the ball very often. They, they did a great job blanketing him. Yeah. Which should have left things open a little more for the interior. Yeah, I remember the announcers were saying uh, one guy didn't even attempt to rebound because I think his... He was assigned to just stick with Luke the whole time. Don't come off him. Right. Sort which, of like in a J.J. Redick. Which is smart, type right? Of thing. Can't double off Luke Kennard these days. Uh, yeah, it should. Like, playing four on four then, you know, in the possessions where Luke doesn't get the ball, there should be – it should be easier to crash the boards. It should be easier to, to, to cut, you know, to the basket. Um, and Giles is potentially a potent weapon, I hope. I hope we're going to see him more involved. I hope we're going to see him throw it up to him more. You know, certainly at this point he doesn't seem like a potent weapon. Right now they just have him in the low block and just waiting just for his around. teammates to swing the ball around and enter the ball yeah. in a very traditional way. You can still see like the the fierce rebounding and the blocking on defense. Uh, the rebounding is kind of crazy actually. Him and on Tatum a, on both. a per, per minute basis, yeah, it's even more impressive. Yeah, he's played like. I looked it up. I don't know if it was before the last game or after the game, but he had played about 60 minutes and grabbed 32 rebounds. Yeah. Uh, you know, he just hasn't actually been on the court as much as we feel like he's been. Yeah, it's only so been like five needs, or six games. Yeah, he needs more run. Well, even in those games, like, he hasn't played that much. You know, it's one or two games he's gotten significant minutes. So uh, we turn our eyes forward uh, after receiving our – yeah, I want to talk Spanking. about. I want to talk about one other thing. Yeah. unless you had. No, go ahead. Yeah. So, I thought it was weird. Jay Bills was saying that he was watching the Louisville practice, and he was re- remarking about how how good they were. They how hard the, they worked in practice. Yeah. they're all drenched and yeah. Then then he did the whole ninety four feet thing with all the with like four or five players all chipping in, being the cameraman, you know, moving the seat. Did you find it all weird that he has that kind of access to the Louisville practice and the Louisville team when one year ago he said Rick Pitino should unequivocally be fired? I think it's just standard for for ESPN coming to do your game. They come a day early. They get to watch practice. You think if uh, Andy Katz had said, yeah, I think Coach K should be fired for this uh, infraction, you think Coach K would grant Andy Katz that kind of access to his practice or his facilities? Yeah, I don't think Coach K would. Uh, I mean, I mean, in this case, Patino and Coach K are different. Jay, Jay Patino deserved Jay, the comment. Jay Billis said Rick Patino should absolutely be fired. He either knew and he should be fired, or he didn't know and he should be fired for negligence. So what do you think? you think Patino last year was just keeping a list of everyone that says shitty things about him? Because that would have been 300 guys, and now nobody can – can cover his team? Well, I mean, it's 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 mostly my question is I mean, Patino is is he just Mr. Teflon like he, you know, he also had a previous incident like 5 years ago where he had sex with the uh, the wife of his strength training coach and he got caught and the girl was sort of crazy and tried to extort money from him, but it just seems like nothing sticks to this guy. Like everyone's forgot about hey, remember remember, <laughs> remember this guy ran literally a brothel? on campus for not only recruits but the recruits dads right I, the reason is and it's the same kind of thing and they self-impose a, a postseason ban and then people just forget about it like I, I don't I don't get it well 
Here, here's what I think. Right. Meanwhile, they want Grayson done for the rest of his career for pushing a Florida State coach. <laughs> I mean, it's fair, and Patino is certainly deserve. I think he deserved the criticism last year, and Louisville gets to make its choice about whether they fire him or not. Right? Like, Louisville's fine with it. They're fine with this bargain, and people think they know who Patino is, but the story didn't. Like, people always assumed that Patino was kind of a Shady New York guy. He just so, oozes oiliness. Now, if he was holding himself out to be, you know, Mr. America, Mr. <laughs> Law and Order, Mr. Clean, then I think, I think the. But but the other thing is, you're saying you're saying Patino projects a, an image of like it's not oiliness, like a, yeah. sort of like a charlatan. Same with Calipari. And, I mean, they're not trying to be the. They're not trying to have their public image. They're not trying to benefit Squeaky from the clean. public images that are that are counter to what's being whispered about them, right? I mean, to my knowledge, NCAA hasn't even have they finished the investigation? If they, just I really don't said, know. But yeah. but if if he had thrown Jay Billis out of practice or had barred him, now you have a story. So maybe Patino just knows how to handle these things. You don't argue. You don't take countermeasures against people. Later, you don't make an enemies list. Because all that's going to do is prolong the bad feelings. Because if Billis hadn't been able to get into practice because of what he said, that would have been a big story. The reason the story went away is because the whole thing burned out. There's no more Tinder. Well, let me pose it to you this way. uh, Former Dukey Jason Williams has been super harsh on Coach K for handling the Grayson Allen. Okay. Just, you know, he he should be suspended. This is too easy. One game's not enough. Do you think Coach K notices all that and will store that, file that away in his memory bank for the future? Like, you know, even even the whole, after the uh, Georgia Tech game, I feel like, he had an interview to explain Grayson and explain maybe his um, back issues and what type of break he'll take. It was, he did it with Jay Billis at home, you know, like, yeah, I, I feel like. I feel like he'll never allow Jason Jay Williams to do that. I mean, I guess we, we don't know, do we? I, I, what, what, why do you think Jay Williams isn't on the coaching staff? He was a captain. He was a point guard. A lot of the captains of point guards uh, end up, you know. Do, do you think he preferred to be an announcer, or do you think he? Do you think there's a, is there a reason like he didn't follow that path like some of the other guys? Is he, Think it was a little below him, or no? I, I, I don't think. I'm not think he asked. I'm not sure. Is he not one of Coach K's kind no, of like I mean, golden Coach, boys? No, Coach K loves him. I mean, Coach K was one of the first guys okay. to show up in the Chicago hospital when Jay Williams had that knucklehead motorcycle incident. So if he loves him, and they have him. this great relationship, yeah. Coach K knows he has a job to do on the air. Yeah, and he probably just if he even notices, he probably thinks. Good for him. He's doing his job. He's giving his opinion. I mean, he's probably supportive of his guys all around. Jay Billis says critical things, you know, of Duke during the broadcast, or he takes the ref side opposite Duke a lot of the times. Like, I don't think Coach K is sitting there keeping track. He's too busy. He doesn't have time. But you know, he doesn't strike me <laughs> as that kind of like petty guy. But I think the maybe. reason why Coach K is so successful, so great, is because he's probably so petty. <laughs> like that you, drives him. But do you, you know? have proof, or are you just imagining this? This is like your musings. Uh, no, I mean, what went through my mind when you said that when you brought the word petty was uh, like a West Wing episode. You know, like in order to be president or in order to be somebody who's the greatest coach of all time, I think you have to have that pettiness just inside you, where you hold all your opponents disdain. Like Bobby Knight was petty. Right, okay. like Bobby Knight had this reputation. I mean, we assume not he's petty, playing. but like he wouldn't let things go right. in practice with the players unless you were one of his guys. And Coach K seems to to me to kind of emulate that a little bit. Like if he's hard on you, he's going to stay hard on you. If he's, you know, but if you're one of his guys, you're doing the right things. He's probably more likely to overlook something, uh, give you a little more leeway. Right. And I imagine that extends itself to 
post program too but if you look at like the Duke um, fantasy camp and what goes on there with everybody coming back and it being just a love fest that's a wide net that gets cast around guys that stay loyal to the program and should, Coach K you should return. explain this fantasy camp briefly if people don't know what it is yeah every summer uh, a couple of our friends do it uh, our friend Keith Fournier and Scott LaBelle come to mind uh, they the last couple of years they've taken part I think they've been running it for 10 or 15 years maybe 20 years for you know decent sum of money I think it's 10,000 uh, they run an adult fantasy camp I think you have to be 30 years old to do it okay. um, you have to be a certain age and you go you stay at the Washington Duke you play in Cameron Indoor and at, at card and you uh, you get a coach and what your coaches are former players you know or current coaches and they they draft teams and there's eight or ten teams of these campers uh, and it's uh, you know they run practice they the, play the, games it's a competition amongst the coaches draft the participants just based on pickup shooting rounds they they run they, them they through, just size them up yeah, visually they, they they run them through some some drills I think we'll have we'll have Keith or Scott on the program sure whichever one of them calls in first and and <laughs> probably in the off season we'll we'll talk about this but. But basically, I think my understanding is that they run them through like you know an hour or two of drills and games or half day in order to assess everybody's talent level, yeah. and then the coaches have a draft of of are, the, all the campers. Are, so, the, are the campers around for the draft, or is it a secret draft? That I'm not sure of. I think it's a secret it's draft. Got to be secret. What if, secret. what if you're the very yeah, last guy chosen? I think it's a secret draft, like back in Little League. I, my dad used to run the, the the baseball and basketball association and. They would do the same thing with us. We'd have a night where it was like an hour of the coaches get to see all the kids playing yeah. when they were seven, eight years old. Then they would all come back to my house and they would have the draft. And th- I would pretend to go to sleep. I'd sneak down and like be at the like midway down the stairs, the stairs. have my you know have my ear out, and I'd hear all the dads and a lot of my new, you know, drafting, drafting all the the kids onto their little intramural rec association teams. Sometimes they like, you know, talk. really lean to kids. So sometimes they would talk about the kids. They were nice. I, I don't remember anything too controversial, but I do remember telling one of my friends something that was said, Ooh. and the, the kid was real upset about it. And, and I learned a lesson. Uh, but no, I don't think uh, I don't think it's public. I, you know, they assign the teams. It might be obvious who gets picked high and low. I think there's ten players to a team, maybe eight, and there's either eight or ten teams. I think there's eighty campers, and they play all week and. Uh, there's a big rivalry amongst the, the the players and coaches, you know, the Duke guys, to win the league, to draft the best team, coach them up the best. Yeah. And uh, you know, I know it's a lot of fun. I know they. Uh, I know part of it is all of the players coming together to hang out for a week in Durham, uh, having dinners. They play as well. They scrimmage against each other. Scott told me a story uh, this week about. How Jason Tatum dunked over Jabari Parker last summer yeah. he was there and it was like epic and like they get to watch the guys play against each other and uh, you know that that's when he knew Jason Tatum could be like epically great yeah you know Jabari's playing pretty well in the NBA these days Jabari is yeah yeah my guess is Jabari got the better of him overall in the matchup but we'll have to ask Scott uh, so yeah uh, there's this camaraderie, there's this, uh, you know, this Duke Forever thing, this Forever Duke. They, part of the recruiting pitch is that you're joining this fraternity and it matters. And Coach K staffs his coaching staff a certain way with his former players now. And it all builds on itself. And part of the experience is you, you get this fraternity for life. Now, I don't know if Jay Williams goes to that, that thing every year. I'd be curious to know. Um, now that we're talking yeah, about I mean, it, so we'll have back, to ask Scott or Keith about it. Yeah, to go back to your question, like, why is he an analyst? I mean, I, I feel like once the accident happened, he was just looking for something to yeah. do. I mean, it could know? be he just wants yeah. to live there in one place and not travel around and recruit. And, yeah, and he's actually... And maybe, he's, maybe even physically that would be difficult for him. He's so got a decent gig, knows. you know? He's, he's got a great gig. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel the same way about, like, Greg Paulus is... You think Coach K has ever asked Greg Paulus if he wants to coach, or you think Paulus has been like, "Hey, if anything opens up, you know, put me on the short list." Of well, I think what happens is 
the guys know when they graduate or when they leave the school, they know whether they're one of Coach K's guys. They know whether that's something they could ask about, right? And not everybody can do it, hmm. but it's not yeah, the, the guys that, that are there are not the Sometimes the just best the opportunities players. just aren't there. Yeah, you the know? staff's full. Right. Right, I get it. That's right. I think that's right. So what do you think, uh, last thing before we, we get going, uh, you know, one of the big questions is, is uh, are these losses on Jeff Capel? Do you think if Coach K was on the sidelines, whether things do you think things would have been different? Are we lacking confidence? Obviously, you know, in 94-95, no, we started losing games. We've, we've started losing games, but to me it's because we played a couple road games and because of all the things we've talked about. Like, are, are you asking like, are if, you, if are, Coach K were on the sideline, maybe we would have... <laughs> Won one of these games? Are you is, feeling? Is yeah, are you feeling like we're we're. I, I feel like these issues would be around even if Coach K were on the bench. Do you think the adjustments would have been different? Do you think? Do you think we the results would have been been different? I mean, it's possible. The, Snow butterfly of, effect. Everything's outcome different. Outcome of the game. Yeah, like going into this week, are you thinking I wish Coach K was on the sideline to coach? I always want Coach K to be on the sidelines and coach, but I feel like. It probably wouldn't have affected the outcome of the game. Do you think Coach K is going to rush back a little quicker because the team's been losing? No, I don't, I don't think so. He might communicate more. I mean, I, I think announcers were saying he's in constant communication. He talked to Reach the team to on Wednesday. Luke Kennard says he texts with them all the time, talks with them. So he's there. He's he probably just can't. He has to take. He has to take it easy. You know. Yeah. Like, and he's you know. He's 70, he's got to be so wise in terms of just life experiences. Like, why should he rush back? But looking at Rick Pitino on one, one sideline and Jeff Capel on the other, were you feeling like, well, this makes sense and this guy's our next coach and this is okay? Or were you thinking, man, there's an imbalance here. That's Rick Pitino and we just have Jeff Capel. No, I wasn't thinking that there's a coaching disparity. Like, what... I feel like since the Georgia Tech game, I mean, there have been maybe two blips in terms of the general trajectory of the team. Like, the Georgia Tech game, we looked fantastic. The UNLV game, we looked fantastic. Outside of that, it's just been like, man, what is wrong with this team? Like, they just aren't playing well together as a unit. Defensively, they're not great. Um, it's more of a season arc more than, than just these two games and how they how the game plan was put in. Yeah, like I don't I don't really look at it in terms of Capel or, or missing Coach K. I just feel like it's kind of hard hard the, to know, anyways. Yeah, the jigsaw puzzle of the team fitting the pieces together with the development of the freshmen with team chemistry issues, like all that has got two months. We got two months to get it all together, all figured out. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to the redemptive arc of this particular Duke Duke men's basketball team. It's going that would to be, be nice. It's going to be all the sweeter for, for enduring these couple these these losses early. If if we can get it together, yeah. uh, we'll have overcome some significant things. And uh, any word on Emil coming back? Not practicing. Not practicing. They're just saying day to day, which means nothing. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd read a few things yesterday sta stating that you know he's he's not practicing. Gotcha. I mean, it'd be nice to have him back for that January thirtieth game. Uh, this week we just have Miami on Saturday. Yeah. Um, we have NC State on Monday, so we could probably do our podcast, you know, Tuesday next week again. Uh, oh wait, I'm having a baby on Sunday. <laughs> I forgot. Got all hyped up. So um, maybe we'll take a break for a month. <laughs> we can't take a break, but uh, you know, can't take a break. Uh, doing the podcast is a commitment. We've <laughs> we've committed to you know our apparently several hundred listeners now, and thank you to everyone who's been listening. By the way, this is the Duke Basketball Junkies, and uh, I'm your host Mike Exet, and uh, here with me is Peter Rowe. How you doing, Peter? Good, good. All right, we're starting with the. We're introing because we forgot to do it. Uh, yeah, I, I think we got to keep it going. I'll find you know I'll find a half an hour, an hour next week to meet up. I'll, I'll need a break from the newborn stuff. Um, you know, I can always I can always find an hour somewhere as long as my wife doesn't kill me. And I'll get it. It'll probably be after 
Have to be after, like between the NC State game and the Wake Forest game, somewhere between that Monday and Saturday. As long as it's before the UNC game, we'll be all right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, looks like the next two weeks we have Saturday, Monday, Saturday, Monday. That's a little unusual. Uh, it's kind of cool. Yeah. Kind of working with my baby schedule. So um, hopefully everything goes well with that. And, um, you know, once once my baby girl's born, I don't, I don't anticipate us losing very much. <laughs> <laughs> and so we're fourteen and four. We've fallen down to eighteen in the rankings. Are we gonna lose ten games this year, Mike? I have to look at the schedule. UNC twice, Virginia, Notre Dame. Uh, I don't think we're gonna lose to UNC twice. Sir- no, I'm saying we play them twice. Yeah, yeah. Syracuse, ACC tournament, NCAA tournament. I mean, I, I think that's a real possibility. We which, probably have two which, more road losses ahead of us. Um, minimum. Yeah. And probably have at least ACC tournament loss and an NCAA tournament loss. I mean, I maybe think a home loss or two. I mean, it wouldn't I shock think. me, but if we lose ten games, if we lose ten games and we don't go to the final four, unmitigated we'll very, failure, very dis- failure. You very failed, Coach K. You failed. Uh, the whole yeah, the whole thing will have will have not come together. Uh, there'll be some building excuses, but you know, there's still a chance we we only lose another. You know, won the three games, and we we have that redemptive arc. That's what we're that's what we're looking for. That's what we're pulling for. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, anything else uh, before we get going? I think that's it. That's it. Did you have a good week? Oh, I also did notice on the sidelines. It seemed like any time Grayson Allen came off the floor, Nate James was either coaching him up or just talking to him a lot. I don't know if like maybe that's a tactic, like a babysitting. You Have know, you noticed the other guys kind of grab him on the court? Yeah. If here anything. you go, Grayson. Here's your pacifier. Let's let's talk about your emotions. Like, can't be that. It can't okay. be that. He's just strictly X's and O's coaching. Or you think Coach K's like, hey, Nate James. Every time he comes off the court, I want you to. Well, I did notice they pulled him off the court more frequently. I think, um, which I'm in favor of. I'm in favor of. Like rotating the, the guys on the court, but yeah, <clears throat> against Louisville. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't come out very often, but when he yeah. did, it seemed like Nate James was always there. Um, I've noticed his demeanor, Grayson's demeanor, is like slightly different. Like he he's taking like a sinister scowl, like he relishes the whole sweep the leg uh, chanting. You, you don't think he's like medicated or something, do you? It it wouldn't shock me if he if he were. I mean, like. Again, not to make light of it, but a decent segment of the population is is medicated. I was I was kidding. I don't uh, think I don't think there's any chance he's, he's being like you know given Prozac before the games. Um, but I mean, why not? Yeah, we'll we'll have on one of our uh, one of our other friends, uh, psychologists, to explain why not. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I mean, his his behavior is not that not that aberrant in my opinion still. But let's not get into it. Let's uh, save it for next week after there's some other weird, cloudy incident where he was running by I'm, somebody. I'm, I'm sure there's going to be something. <laughs> there's got to be he, something. Like, box someone out a little too hard or, you know. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, we'll be back. Uh, Duke's going to Duke's gonna turn it around, and uh, I, I can't wait to, to see it. Uh, I think it's going to be fun to watch the rest of the year. It'll be great. Yeah, both feeling positive. I'm a little more positive than you. I'm less positive. Less positive. Still positive, though. I'm disappointed. Disappointed. Yeah. Uh, I, I. One last thing, I guess. Let me just say, if Brad Stevens had this collection of talent, we would be 18-0. and 0. Come on. Come on. Everybody's been injured. It's been tough. But I will say this. Hats off to Florida State and Louisville and Virginia Tech from the field. They, they all played great. They yeah. played great basketball games. They made good decisions with the ball. They didn't turn it over. They took a lot of, like, we made shots in these games. It wasn't like we played awful. They really played well. And you can't always just look inside and say, what's wrong with us? We stink. You have to take your hat off to the other team and give them credit. So that's me doing that. Uh, On behalf of all Duke Nation, there's a little bit of whiny bitchiness going on on Twitter about calls, about us being, like, facing really good three-point shooter, you know, three-point shooting, you know, above the norm and that kind of thing. Uh, 
refs and but when it comes down to it we got outplayed we got beat and we have to learn from it and we have to improve by good teams yeah by good teams <clears throat> on the road so doesn't you know we might we might take another shellacking or two over the next month six weeks or but, six yeah or yeah we might <laughs> lose every game from here on out but uh, if we do hopefully they'll use it to become a better team oh we that's also the, that's the goal we also lost Matt Coleman who's that he is a uh, one of the top point guards in the next class he, oh, he, he, he was Texas. he was down to Duke in Texas yeah and since he saw that we can't win any road games he chose Shaka Smart in Texas <laughs> yeah that's one possibility yeah there's other possibilities with the University of Texas come on yeah these guys who knows what they do for people but uh, yep but hats off to him hats off to the University of Texas congratulations for doing a great job recruiting Shaka Smart love Shaka Smart I do like Shaka he's a good coach yeah. All right. All right. Uh, see you next week. See you. Later.